Dash. Welcome back to episode three, Released Expectations. I'm your host, Trey Gammons, and today I have a special guest, Josephine Lee. I met Josephine at the 2016 World Championship of Public Speaking, where she took third place out of a pool of 140 countries in a contest that started with 30,000 competitors. And she came out number three. I'm amazed to know Josephine and see the woman that she is because she's also the owner of The Point Shop, a ballet shoe fitting company that is the only one like hers in the country. You might have seen her recently on Lifetime Network's fashion startup where she was awarded a significant investment to scale her business nationally. Just two years ago, she canceled 75% of her revenues in order to take this leap and take this risk and focus solely on providing one product exceptionally well. And it's paid off. It's paid off really well. So today, that's exactly why we're talking about releasing those expectations. Because when you do, the world opens up to you. So my top takeaways for today are, one, be reckless. Two, don't take yourself too seriously. And three, everybody has a purpose. Find out more about the side notes and takeaways at TreyGamers.com, but really, I just hope you enjoy the conversation. This is The Dash. Why did you go from having such a large, expansive inventory in terms of ballet down to just the point shop? How did you feel when you let go all of that revenue and all of that business that you had built up? You know, five and a half years ago when I started the business, I I opened up a dance brick and mortar store. So that was jazz, tap, ballet, ballroom, Mm -hmm. every kind of dance. So it was a one-stop shop for all of those things. But what happened was when I entered after like a year or two I realized that it was a dying industry mm. because it's such a niche industry that everybody was going online to purchase a lot of the inventory now but because our location was so fantastic and there were so many dance studios right around our store we were doing pretty well okay. so I just scratched my way up to a pretty good size revenue in the dance retail mm. industry but I saw that there was really not a lot of growth an opportunity in this but what I did okay. notice is that there were a lot of dancers that were traveling two three hours to the shop to get fitted for point shoes mm. and I thought you know there is something seriously wrong if you have to drive three hours to get a pair yeah. of point shoes so what I started to do was I started to travel to the studios okay and that started to blow up and then I started to realize that there's a much bigger need than I ever anticipated and that kind of became our thing. Like we started to get known to be mm. one of the best fitters in the industry. So that's when I stopped doing everything else. I got rid of everything else. And that was probably 75% of our wow. revenue at the time. Wow. And I decided to give that up because I thought we would have a bit much bigger growth opportunity mm. with just point juice. But how do you see growth through bring it down because it's already a small market ballet is already a tiny market and there's I would assume that there's not much room for margin so going to from 10 options of people to buy to one how does that increase 
your business? Uh, well, uh, people really appreciate specialties. Mm. So people appreciate it when you are specialized in a single thing. Okay. Let's say like you have a daughter, right? And then you knew that ballet like messes up their feet. Would you rather have them get fitted from a store that does everything mm. or a store that just does that one thing? To say, to say. Are you the only people that does that? Are there more point shops? Like, not just your point shop, but are there other people that do just fitting like that? No, we're the only ones in the country, I believe, that just do point shoes. Wow. So that's pretty, that's a nice, um, I guess that makes sense. So where is your, I noticed in the episode on fashion startup, they asked you about your vision back then for the company, and you weren't quite sure where you saw your company going. Where do you see it going now? Well, I think that our main goal is to have a an expert fitter in every large mm. city of the country. Okay. So that every dancer in this country has access to a professional fitter. Because these it's such a specialized skill mm -hmm. that if you're not fitted properly, the dancers are gonna quit. It's not a very pleasant thing because you know, dance it's not a hu it's not a natural human thing to be dancing on your toes. You know? <laughs> it has to be very, very well fitted. Fair. And it is a skill that we have been able to hone down into a curriculum and to wow. a, and a certification for these fitters. Wow. Now that is, it's, um, you've been interesting since the time we met. So I'm going to go back to Toastmasters here a little bit and get everybody else some background on you. Because the first day that we met with all 10 of us, you decided in a competition at the world championship you decided to take a picture with us all and i remember watching you dance with your headphones on with somebody else before you won the semi-final and doing all these things how has going on fashion startup and having your business because i noticed to scale it you had to kind of work on some of your facilitation and really be more specific on what you're doing how has that helped you not only in your business but as Josephine Lee? I think when it comes to speaking or business, I think uh, the thing that I focus on the most is to just have a great time. Mm. And I think you mentioned that kind of uh, through, through my actions. I don't really take myself too seriously. <laughs> I just do what feels right. Okay. And I don't resist the urge to to do something. I don't mm. resist the urge to want to compete or have a good time or, or you know, do something crazy with the business, take a chance, take a risk. And I think that is just how my personality is. Mm. And I think that you know, I really do let go of expectations and perceptions and whatever I, sh I, uh, what I, I don't put a lot of pressure on myself. Okay. And <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to notice that. And actually from that time this past August at Toastmasters, it was such a humbling experience for me. And, and half of that was just realizing, you know, I come from football. Our competition is I don't like you. I don't want to see you. I'm talking crazy to you. I'm cussing at you. And then to this world, world championship stage with 140 countries and to have some folks like that to be around, that that is surreal. What happens in your life when you let go of the expectations of other people? I think the world kind of opens up to you because there's so many opportunities. There's endless amounts of opportunities and chances that you can take. And I think when you're just focused on your competition, you don't see those mm. opportunities. Mm. But when you let go of the expectations and the structure of what society has given you, then there's just so 
many things that you can accomplish without thinking about what anyone else is doing or expecting of you. Mm. And how long have you had that kind of train of thought? You know, I think my parents were a very big influence in my life. And my parents are the same way. Like, you know, if you think about traditional Korean parents, they're like, you have to get married by a certain age. You have to have certain jobs and career paths and everything. But what was great about my parents was that they always emphasized me doing whatever I feel is good for my life. Mm. They don't me getting to getting married they don't push me having kids they don't push me into certain jobs they just want me to be me and that's something that they've always emphasized so i'm very very grateful <laughs> i can see that for real i think your 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 grat- graciousness your gratuity uh kind of rubs off on you is that do you have siblings i do have two brothers two brothers are they older or younger one older, one younger. Okay, okay. So where do they fit in the grand scheme? Are they similarly, are y'all all five of y'all in the same kind of mindset that you, you're talking about here? I think my older brother and my younger are very different than me. I think like most siblings were very, very different. And they're a little bit more cautious mm. and they're a little bit more thorough, I would say, okay. in, in most of the <laughs> decisions. I am, to be quite honest with you, I'm a bit more reckless. Okay. And... I have the freedom to be reckless because I'm not as fearful as my brothers, I Mm. think. And it it is interesting to see that kind of mindset um, difference between my brothers and I because we have the same parents. Right. But I think what happened was when I when we watched my parents growing up, they had a lot of hard times. They, mm. you know, went through bankruptcy, they went through uh, multiple businesses that didn't work. And what I saw that, what the way that I saw those things were great opportunities and learning lessons. And what my brother saw were failures and hardships. Wow. So we kind of responded a very different way yeah. to how, what my parents' experiences were. Yeah, that's, a, um, that's great. There's Carol Dweck has a book called Mindset. And it talks about growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And that's, you just hit that exactly on the head. With that reckless, I love, first of all, why did you use the word reckless? Why reckless? You know, I really just <laughs> like that word because I'll, it has such a negative connotation to it. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like a fun, very freeing word for me. And I use that word quite a bit to describe myself, okay. uh, reckless. But I think there's something so great about being that, that it's something so freeing that I don't see it as a negative. Because you take those parameters and those limitations off your life, like you said, let go of the other's expectations, and that is when your business and life will grow. I did have that one written down. That's why it was familiar for me. (laughs) Hmm. So when being reckless, what, so your business decision to go from large to small someone could deem as reckless but what other kind of um decisions would you deem as reckless or or not sociable socially normal you know i I, it's interesting because when i was in high school it's not that i was it wasn't that i was reckless in terms of what a normal rebellious childhood child would be but i think i wasn't a very good team player Mm. so i was actually on my high school dance team when i was all the way from freshman to senior year and my I was my coach's greatest nightmare because <laughs> I never followed the rules 
and it wasn't even too it wasn't even malicious I just didn't feel like doing something when people were telling me what to do mm. I don't do very well with authority not because I want to be a bad kid but just because I just didn't I have I wanted to do things my way. When I saw things that were more efficient or when mm. I saw things that didn't make sense to me, I just didn't do it. Right. So by the time <clears throat> it was my senior year, my, my coaches just had it with me and they were just so annoyed. <laughs> but that's what I knew. I was like, you know, I don't really fit in or want to fit into this team kind of environment. Mm. I want to do things my way. And I think that kind of plays into how I run my business and my employees too. Like I kind of let them have the freedom to choose whatever they want to do. Yeah. Just like the way that I wanted to be treated when I was in high school. That Well, that makes, are, are your people, do you have high school students that work for you? I don't. Okay. So most okay. of um, my fitters are, uh, they range from either semi-professional dancers to professional okay. dancers. And my manager is actually a mom of three. Wow. So, okay. Yes. Wow, that's pretty cool. What kind of what kind of trouble has taking those kind of risks got for you? Or, or, or not really even trouble, but what kind of downfall? Because there's the ebbs and the flows, the ups and downs, the good times and bads, like you talked about with your parents. So you're, you've had some super success with your business, with your life as Josephine. What are some of those on the opposite, on the tail end of the life and spectrum that keeps you pushing forward? Well, I, I tried a lot of different things, and of course I talk about the things that stick, but there's a lot of things that didn't work either. Mm. And I remember my mom uh, advising me away from start start doing trade shows. So I wanted to get involved with trade shows to, trade shows to sell more merchandise to different audiences. So mm. this was me before I shrunk the business. This was me trying to expand it. So I started to go to wedding trade shows and started to sell ballroom shoes there because I saw a trend of brides buying ballroom mm. shoes for weddings. So I thought that would be an incredible market. So I started to go to these. I ended up wasting a ton of money. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get any more sales or new clients. And um, I just wasted a whole lot of time wow. just not being able to sell anything. Mm. And the greatest thing about this story is that not because I learned the lesson, but my my mom had warned me against this. And I told my mom afterwards that I didn't do very well. And my mom never says, I told you so. Wow. She says, that's okay. You learned. Now you know. You know, and that's how my mom is. She's like super cool and amazing. And she never says, I told you so. She just says, hey, you know, that was your decision. That's fine. Yeah. Now you know. Just move on. Well, that's no when you, you either win or you learn. So I guess that's a that's a really good way to, to come from from going in the downfall to, to a upbringing. How many percentage-wise, if, if you could, you might not be able to, percentage-wise, how much do you fail versus how much you succeed? If, that's a tough question for me because I don't. Uh, how much? How much? How often do you try things that don't quite don't work? Because I think people get caught up, and I guess I make the question more plain. People get caught up in the how things are going to happen and the what I'm going to do, and they psych themselves off from the what ifs. What if I spend money and I don't make anything? What if I can't pay my mortgage? What if I can't do this? How do you fight that? I think I fail more than I win. Mm -hmm. I definitely do. Uh, but because because my mom has allowed me to fail, 
just like she never criticized me for trying something and failing. She mm-hmm. just says, cool, you learned, that's fine. So I was never afraid of failing. So I don't really remember the times that um, the negative feelings that you're supposed to feel from failure. Because okay. my mom never rubbed my nose on them. She just <laughs> said, cool, you tried it, it's fine. You yeah. know? Um, but I definitely think if I were taking inventory of all the times that I took a risk and either failed or succeed, I think I definitely failed more. Hmm. But it doesn't deter me. So which one is more valuable? Probably the failures. The failures. How so? What do you learn from those? uh, Process of elimination. Okay. And how the market works. So I I start to, the, the main thing about business is what do people need? And you can't ask them because they don't know. It doesn't exist yet. So it's all about just trying and seeing if it sticks. Hmm. So we were the first to go mobile in my industry. We were the first to do a subscription program. We were the first to do a mixed-use property. We were the first to do just point shoes. So we don't know because it just didn't exist before. And so many people were against just going towards point shoes. But... We're that, doing just fine now. <laughs> that makes sense. Where do you? Where do your ideas come from? I've been on this, and you kind of mentioned it earlier. I've been talking about riding the wave lately, and and not beating myself up for the routine that I'm setting and making sure I'm getting things done. But just kind of riding that wave. Is that something that you like to do as well? Is just ride that wave and and see what works for you? Totally, I totally go with the flow, and that's one of my main mantras of my life. But. I think what it is is that um, when I do any kind of business, it's just tr- it's trial and error, but it's also listening to your customers. Okay. okay. Because you don't know what you're doing. Your customers know what you're doing, <laughs> right? Yeah. So all of my greatest moves in my business was a suggestion from a customer. Hmm. So somebody said, well, we're, dri- we're, we're driving three hours to come to your store. Would you ever consider coming to us? And I wow. said, yes, yes, I, I will. How many are you? Like, I'll Dang. go to you. Yeah. And so they- that was, that's how it started. And then the subscription program, I had a customer that was like, hey, I need four pairs of point shoes every month. Can you just keep my card on file and you can just sh- send it to me? And I said, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So I started asking other people if they needed the same program, and they said, yes, I do. That would be amazing. So that's how we started the subscription program. So you so were to customers. You were open to the opportunities. That's when. That's how you. the doors opened up for you that you didn't know were there. Because I was going to say, like, how do you... How do you get into, if, if my customer does not know what the problem or the pain is, how in the world am I going to figure that out? So that's pretty cool that, that you were able to figure that out through your customers and in there. So I'm, I like the business. I do want to know more of Josephine because I know the point shop is not just a business for you because I know that you danced all your life and your presence on stage and from some of the things I've seen after Toastmasters and just your overall vision on stage and the way that you're able to dance. What is what is life for you? Honestly, I think everybody should have a purpose, mm. and I think there you need to make a choice of some sort. And every you should live your life with integrity. And what I mean that is that you, every action that you do, and every business that you form, and every person that you talk to, every message that that you give on stage should align with that that message or that purpose that you have in your life and Mm -hmm. I happen to choose 
point shoes as a vehicle to help okay. me with my overall purpose. And the overall purpose for every human being is to leave um, the, the world a better place than you started out with, right? Yeah. So for me, it, I happen to choose art because that's what I know. But I think everyone should just pick something that they can improve on, just okay. like a little thing that you can change in the world. Okay. And yours is point shoes. And that's just a vehicle, but the overall message is the art form. Okay. To to create awareness with the arts and Mm. uh, the things that you can do. And even I consider uh, public speaking an art form as well. I definitely do too. You know, performance, that is writing, that's literature, that's uh, a lot of the things just combined with everything that I I believe in. Okay. So, and it's ultimately a human a human thing art is human mm-hmm. so that's what i am i'm a humanitarian and that's what i do that's pretty deep josephine <laughs> I, I like that I, when did you when did you discover your purpose i purpose my purpose is to help people find their purpose and that's what this whole podcast is about it's all about people like yourself and why you do what you do and how you got there how did you get to this point or why do you where, where did that come from I think it's just being able to articulate something that you've always known. And I don't think a lot of people are able to articulate it until later on in their lives. Mm. But it's something that, you know, brings you immense joy. I think you just have to pay attention to the things that you do in your life and how that makes you feel and what tugs at you. And I think when you have that immense tug, that is your purpose. Wow. That's what something... So there's no denying it then. Exactly. When did you realize that art was yours? I think it honestly stemmed from when I was younger. And because I danced my whole life, um, performance art has always been a passion of mine. And growing up and starting a business that helps others do that, that was another thing that I really appreciated Mm -hmm. and was so thankful that I discovered it. So I'm just so grateful that it exists. Yeah. And all I want to do is just help others get to that. Okay. And I've noticed with for myself and for pretty much everybody I've interviewed, everybody that I've talked to, their work is a vehicle to give back. Mm-hmm. Why is giving back so important? Because that's just the way that humans work. It's just, you know, it. I don't believe that there's true altruism. Like we all do things for ourselves, but that's what is so amazing about it is that we are designed to feel good when we're doing things for others. Other people. And I think that's a wonderful thing. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So it's it we are meant to do it because it feels good to do good, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that is something that is innate in our uh, in each one of us. And we just have to find out what exactly it is that tugs us. You're making me happy right now because there's there is this pooling and this inkling. So what do you say to the people that I want to start a podcast? I want to start a business. I want to start. I want to be a professional speaker, an athlete. What do you say to the person that can kind of feel a tug, but they don't trust it? I think you should never second guess yourself because I think there's so much to just being just falling to where you are falling, like just fall towards it. Mm. Like I think the problem with most people is that they have these incredible 
they have this incredible inertia behind them and they stop themselves. They talk themselves out of it. <laughs> but You're that's right. the problem. Don't talk yourself out of it. Just do it. Don't wait. Just go. I love it. I heard it said before that life is like a pendulum and you can only get as high on one side of the pendulum as you go on the other. And on the two sides you have joy, happiness, love, and on the other side you have despair, hate, and failure. And it's like a pendulum. They, they can only sway as far one way as they can sway the other. So sometimes we have to take those risks. We have to jump off the cliff and there's going to be some bruises on the way, but that's how life works. You know, if we want to change, if I want to change the way that I'm living, if I want to change where I'm at in my life, I have to be do, willing to do something a little bit different. Check out the top takeaways, quotes, and side notes at TreyGamers.com. And come back next week for a two-part series with the third black judge in the history, 200-year history of St. Joseph County. That's Northern Indiana. Before that, he was a managing law partner for over 20 years, successful father of four, and also happens to be my dad. So I'm excited to sit down with him and have a conversation with Dre about one of his projects, preparing your child for education, making sure that our parents are putting children in the best environment to be successful in the place of education. So I'm excited to have that conversation. Stay tuned. There will be video for that as well. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening. This is The Dash. I'm your host, Trey Gimmage. You're now listening to a special series of flashback episodes. You have heard or now you know that we're in the middle of promoting Every Decision Counts, eight lessons I wish they taught me in school. And as you'll hear over the next few weeks, each lesson was inspired by an episode of the Dash Podcast. So what I wanted to do is take those old episodes, episode 2, 3, 9, 12. I wanted to take those and just reintroduce them to you so you can understand some of the foundations of this book. I wanted you to get the perspective of the entirety of Every Decision Counts and understand where some of the inspiration from this book comes from. These episodes are still in their original format, so it has the same introduction, the same interview. I just wanted to do a little introduction for you here. So I hope you enjoyed this flashback episode. And as always, I want to know and hear your comments and feedback. So leave a comment when you're done, share it with your friends and help talk to us about why every decision counts.